The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. Good evening. It is the guys here at Notebook Wagering. We just wrapped up March Madness. Huge Kansas win last night. Huge for our guys. Smitty had a good night. I had a great night. And now we're going to get into one of our favorite weeks of the year. We have Masters Week and we have MLB Opening Week, too. Can't wait. We love a little baseball here on the show. We have a great guest tonight. You guys are going to want to tune in here he's going to talk to us about the masters give us his insight learn a little about him smitty j cam what's going on boys I'm a, I'm a little disappointed that i was about one silence out of bounds from a front door cover there after all hope was lost in that kansas game uh i really thought i was gonna have the miracle four to half cover i was like what after seeing how that game was going the whole time i will admit though with a late start i did fall asleep for some portions of the second half uh i woke up to a pleasant surprise but hey, it's, a, it's an early tea time for us here at the workday. Uh, but, you know, it was a great, great Final Four. Really enjoyed the Duke Carolina game. Uh, even the Kansas Villanova game at pieces looked like Villanova was going to be a little scrappy. Couldn't hold on. But uh, good basketball weekend, definitely. Got some Valero open and do some last minute scouting for the Masters. So good sports weekend all around. Yeah, good evening, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, last night, great game. I mean, the Final Four was great. I took a beating on the Villanova. I, game but then i came back really well with the duke unc went three and oh last night was five and oh for myself so eight and oh to go out in college basketball very excited really helped out gonna load up the over win total with the pirates i can't wait we'll get into that later but uh no great great um great march madness really enjoyed it so uh let's get after it matt yeah so without further ado we're gonna talk the masters here and we know the hype is really catching Tons of train heat right now. We got the Tiger Talk, brand new coming out. Uh, we have our guy from Vsin, uh, Wes Reynolds. Wes does the at Vsin Live. He's the co-host of the Green Zone, and he also hosts the show Long Shots. Guy has money on his picks, so we're gonna pick his brain tonight with a little Masters talk. Wes, how's it going out there? Hey, good to be with you guys. How are you? Oh. Uh, well, other than working, I'm terrific, and I actually can't wait to have the Masters on all the rest of the week while I'm grinding away at my office here. So, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your shows, uh, especially long shots to get the get our listeners involved with uh, what you do and your uh, actually your expertise here. Yeah, uh, basically, I moved out here to Las Vegas three years ago, been betting off and on kind of since I was a teenager, started with uh, the parlay cards that a gentleman that was a regular of uh, my mom's restaurant that she managed would bring in these little parlay cards. And that's how I got the betting bug, the little perforated sheets that you might see in various sports books where, you know, you pay and it was low stakes for me back then being a kid and as a teenager, you know, 
five bucks and, you know, obviously pick however many games and it's going to pay out whatever it is. So that's how I got started betting in terms of uh, Visa. And I kind of got into this on accident, guys. I'm obviously not a trained broadcast professional. I always kind of look at it when people talk to me about this industry. It's like I'm Uncle West from Indiana talking ball and talking betting. I'm not so... <laughs> you know, guy with a journalism degree or a telecommunications degree. My degree was in business. So, you know, I just happened to get into this by by happenstance, basically. So I've been on VEASAN for about a little over three, three and a half years. I do some writing. I do some digital content. And then, of course, uh, Long Shots is our golf betting show that we do once a week that we record on Tuesday and put out on Tuesday night. And then Green Zone, uh, different things that I do a lot of times during the NFL season. I'm working NFL Sunday. It's basically like the red zone, but for betters, where we're going 10 Pacific to 5 Eastern. So all of the games before the Sunday night game. So I'm pretty much, you know, kind of a utility guy. I get put basically throughout the lineup and fill holes. Sometimes I play first base. Sometimes I play left field, you know, whatever they need me to do. I'm going to ask you one crazy question, and I'm going to let these guys fire off at you because I know they have a good lineup coming if you, since you're a big wrestling fan, if you and Matt Humans were in a, in a ring together, who's winning? Oh, boy. This is going to get back to him, though. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy. He's got the height yeah. on me, and uh, the weight's about even. But I've got the lower center of gravity, so I think I can get a single leg on him and maybe get him to the mat. That's perfect. Nice. Yeah, uh, the only reason I ask that is because we had the big WrestleMania this week, so maybe we can even get a little take on that later. But uh, J. Cam, Smitty, why don't you guys fire off a couple questions for Wes here? Well, yeah, you're talking about the Masters and the long shots. So when it comes to the Masters, how do you approach the Masters? Is this the ultimate horse for the course kind of course where you look for guys who've done well there or you're looking for guys more coming in hot um, who have been playing well in the spring? You know what? That's a good point you bring up because it kind of is a little bit horse for course-ish, if you will. I think the Masters, really more than any other tournament on the PGA Tour schedule, is probably the most predictive because, one, it's a shorter field. We've only got 91 players. Usually in a regular boilerplate PGA Tour event, you're going to have 150, 160 players. So it's a smaller field. Plus, you've got probably a, at least at bare minimum, a third of the field is likely dead money and doesn't have a chance because you have the lifetime champions exemption. So you get a lot of older players in this field that doesn't that don't play a lot anymore. Jose Maria Olathebel, Larry Mize, Mike Weir, those type of guys who, you know, aren't going to have a chance. And then some of the guys down the board might be making their first appearance because they won like the Butterfield Bermuda Championship or the... Uh, Puerto Rico Open or the Sanderson Farms Championship, you know, one of those fall series events. So it's like, okay, you won an event on the PGA Tour, you get that master's invitation, but then you see them and they're going to be like 200 or 300 or 400 to one on the odds board. And they've never had any experience here. And more often than not, I do think experience matters here. The last debutante, by the way, to win here was Fuzzy Zeller in 1979, even though Will Zalatoris came very close uh, last year, finishing second. A lot of people like Willie Z. He has yet to win on the PGA Tour, but as we kind of saw with Scotty Scheffler from earlier this year, it's a matter of time, and then when time happens, 
it usually comes in bunches because now Scotty Scheffler, number one in the world, and he's won three events in the last two months. So I think a lot of it is predictive form. Look, sometimes you get a hot player that continues the form over in the Masters, but there's just so many guys. There's not like one clear favorite, even though John Rahm pretty much is the shortest on the odds board. There's no one real clear favorite here where, where it was like Tiger, who we'll get to in a minute, you know, in his prime. Where, where it's like, okay, he's damn near even money to win a major championship against the other best golfers in the world. Not so much this time around, but there's nobody like that. And that's what I think makes it fun is that there are a lot of players that can win this event. Wes, so I was talking off air with Matt and we were talking about the conditions, the weather conditions here. Um, you know, when you probably lay it all out and you have your guys and then, you know, you kind of get closer to the date. And then, you know, I jotted these down today you know, wind gusts could get on Thursday up to about 29, Friday, 25, Saturday, 29, and cold on Saturday. Only highs were 59 degrees. Does that kind of change everything? If you have like maybe five, six guys you really like, and then you say, oh man, high wind gusts, like, does that change for you? How do, how do you really tackle that? It can, Todd, from an in-play perspective, I think, because, you know, usually with a card like the Masters, even though the field is shorter, these have been up for several months. It's not like some of these other majors where you're only going to get like a month in between a major. You're only going to get like a month between the PGA and the U.S. Open. So it's not like these are going to be up for six months because what you've been doing all this time, if you're betting Masters futures, you're looking for good numbers. Like a couple of my partners on long shots, they got Cameron Smith. We all hit him in the season opener out there at Kapalua where he shot the PGA Tour record 34 under bar. I didn't necessarily pay attention and bet him for the Masters. And I wish I did because that number at the time before he won that event was like 40 something to one. And then he wins in Hawaii and he drops down anywhere to like 25 on average, let's say. And then what does he do? He wins the Players' Championship a month ago. So now you're not getting Cameron Smith at 41. You're getting him at like 14 to one. And it's like, well, I'm not going to recommend that when you could have had a better number. Same thing applies to Scheffler that I just mentioned a minute ago. So when you're speaking of weather, and uh, we did have Scott Van Pelt from ESPN as our guest on, on this week's Long Shots, which is going to drop a decent any moment. And he's down there and he's like, yeah, it was, it rained all day. A lot of the guys, they only got about five holes in because I think he was uh, sitting and eating lunch with Justin Thomas and Colin Marikawa. And it's like, we only got five holes in, you got the par three contest tomorrow. So that limits the practice time. So I do think when you look at more inclement weather conditions, that would bring in a lot of the Europeans to play. That would bring in a lot of the Australians because more often than not, you're getting great conditions on the PGA Tour. There's a reason why, for the most part, it's sunny and with no wind about every single week. So I think that that brings those guys in. But at the end of the day, I think you got to stick with, you know, your your pre-flop handicap, if you will, in terms of the tournament. You got to look at what you were looking at. Strokes gained approach, greens and regulation gained, uh, strokes gained short game, three-putt avoidance driving distance gained off the tee. So you're still looking at the same stuff, but obviously if this is a wet course, you know, it could be kind of like a little bit of target practice for the real good iron players, like the JTs, like the Colin Marikawas, like the Corey Connors, the guys that seem to rank in the top of that category every single week. So 
you know, it'll be interesting to see how it'll play out. But these greens, they obviously want to make them super fast. These are bent grass greens. So you'll have some roll as low as like 12 on the stint meter and some that'll roll 15. So that's why lag putting, hitting greens, lag putting, avoiding those three putts, so vital this week. Good stuff. So you just actually brought up a key stat that I actually have in front of me before we get to the elephant of the room. Uh, the last four years for the most strokes gained ball striking off tee and approach is DJ, Corey Connors, John Rahm, JT, surprisingly Bubba Watson, and then Brooks Kepka. So we would probably assume if Tiger had played the last year and a half, he would probably be in that group. Now yeah. He started out 70 to one on the odds board. I heard today he's at 40 to one. Do you think it's realistic to say by Thursday for the betters that he might actually go off at about 10 to one to win this? I don't know if he gets that low, but uh, I'm kind of going to paraphrase an answer that Scott Van Pelt gave us because I asked him the same question. What do you make of Tiger? Because obviously that's topic A, B, C, and D this year for the 2022 Masters. And he's like, I hate to give this answer, but I don't know. You know, I'm hearing all the things that you're hearing in terms of Freddie Couples, who, of course, is Tiger Woods' boy. You know, he's not going to go out there and say, hey, he looked like crap. He was absolutely <laughs> but he was terrible. You know, he's not going to do that. He's going to take up for his guy here. But, you know, we're not, we're not going to know because it's not just hitting the shots. It's obviously the walking. And he talked about that at the Genesis Invitational when he was the host of that back in February. And he was like, you know, it's just getting used to walking again. And this is not some flat desert course that's like 7,100 yards, like when Brooks Kepka, if you remember, won the Phoenix Open a couple of years ago, and his knee wasn't right. But that was a course he could do because it was better for him in terms of his fitness. This course is a little over 7,500 yards down in Augusta, but it's going to play a little bit longer, and it's hilly, and there's a lot of undulations, and it's a, it's a physical taxing, I think, to play this. So, look. Tiger is going to shorten because people like to bet Tiger. And that's what I keep saying in terms of you're never going to get fair odds on this guy as long as he elects to play on the PGA Tour. I don't care what kind of shape he's in. I don't care his age. You're never going to get that because the general public betters as this gets legal in more and more jurisdictions and more and more states. They want to root for Tiger. They don't want to root against Tiger. The guy almost had his leg amputated, for God's sake. So, of course, they're going to want to root for this redemption story with tiger woods so i don't know if it's going to close that low but like do i think 30 and 40 to one are really fair prices no i think he should be like triple digits to one he should be you don't want to totally give away the store but i think he should be 100 to 1 125 to 1 i think that would be fair but obviously if you know that players and betters are going to bet that price then you're not just going to give it away to them yeah, I think that's a great point. Actually, Brooks Kepka last year is a great example of a guy who was battling a knee trying to get through the Masters. And just you could see by day two that it had taken a toll and he was just kind of out of gas and uh, really couldn't offer much at that point. I mean, and, you know, Tiger coming off a much more horrific injury. It'll be interesting to see what he does. So during the Masters, what plays do you make? So obviously, do you have pre-flop plays and then you kind of add as the week goes on and then you'll get maybe head matchups? Like what's, what's your favorite way to attack this? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I do outrights and, and, and whatnot. And I end up usually with the Masters because like I was saying earlier, these have been up for forever. So I end up with more than I would usually have on like a week to week basis where it's just like, okay, odds come out Monday. 
I need to turn in a column on Tuesday and I'm going to bet accordingly and I'm going to have maybe six or seven outrights and then kind of half and half them with not only outrights, but a top five or a top 10 prop. So in case you don't hit, you at least get paid if you're getting a top five or top 10 and a guy finishes second and you lose your outright. So usually that's the way I, I attack uh, with masters. I do a little bit more props because they're more readily available. So you get those nationality props because usually only one or two books like a DraftKings, which we're not allowed to bet because our company is owned by DraftKings, but they mm -hmm. usually put out like the nationality stuff every week low European, low Englishman, low Asian, low South African, Australian, what have you. And I usually like to bet at least a few of those here, not to, you know, I mean, for fun, but handicapping them as well to try to say, okay, where do I have an edge at this standpoint? Matchups, matchups is probably my personal weakness in terms of handicapping. My matchups have been a little bit choppy lately. I usually like to go 72 hole matchups a little bit better because there is at least a margin for error because there's so much variance, I think, in a round by round matchup. But you can play the variance to your advantage if you have like that strokes gain data where you see if a guy, you know, if a guy gained like six strokes putting on a round, then more often than not, you're going to fade him the next round because that's going to regress. It's like, you know, you guys in the intro, we're talking about the NCAA tournament. You know, when a team shoots, you know, 18 of like 30 from the three-point line, well, they're not going to probably shoot that the next time around if they're a team that shoots 34% on the season. So that's one way to kind of play it in terms of regression by round-by-round round matchups. But basically outrights commingled with some props and then maybe a couple head-to-head -head matchups. Wes, is there anybody – that you before we dive into maybe who you think is going to win this or a couple of those plays is there anybody that maybe you looked at maybe to mess the cut that is kind of a bigger name uh guy that would be pretty good numbers for our audience yeah and and i don't have those numbers in front of me but in terms of just like looking at some of the form uh just guys that have played well in the past that people think okay maybe they'll get right here a guy that's been absolutely nowhere is actually a former green jacket winner. And that would be Patrick Reed. And I was almost tempted to take tiger at about the plus plus one seventy out there in the matchup. I decided to skirt tiger altogether because like I said earlier, I don't know what he's go what he's going to do here. I don't want to take a stand against him, but I'd also don't want to back a guy that hasn't played in a tournament since November of 2020. The last time he played the masters here at, here at, at Augusta, but Patrick Reed, I certainly wouldn't take Patrick Reed in a matchup over Tiger Woods. You you guys mentioned strokes gained ball striking earlier. He is near dead last in this field over the last 36 rounds. And that includes guys that are like, you know, one year a guy, one year players. You know, that includes like VJ Singh, who plays maybe one or two PGA Tour events a year, or Olaf Fauble or Sandy Lyle. And Patrick Reed has lost more strokes gained ball striking than those guys. So that tells you this guy's game is nowhere. Now, can it get better at Augusta? Perhaps he's won here before and he's got solid form here. But that would be a guy that I would probably look to fade a little bit this week. And if you're looking maybe a little bit more at the top, if I was to take a stand at one of, against one of the top players, it might be Scotty Scheffler, just because the expectations now of being number one in the world, I think at least for that first time out, it's going to be like, oh man, everybody's looking at me differently now. And you can only kind of disappoint. Now he's won three times in the last two months in all big tournaments. So he could probably say, well, 
you know, I can just go out and win this thing. So Scotty Scheffler might be one I would fade. Colin Marikawa is not one I'm really backing either. Uh, could potentially miss the cut. If you look at his short game, that's what's really holding him back. His ball striking is usually going to be good. He's usually going to be up there on approach. But if you look at strokes game, short game, which is putting plus the around the green game over the last 36 rounds, 79th in this field. So until that putting shapes up, I can't back Marikawa again. Wes, before we get you out of here, I don't want to ruin any of your uh, long shots picks. Give us maybe two favorites you really like, and then maybe give us a sleeper, long shot, or even a contrarian play that you might be on or leaning towards. Okay, I'll go I'll go ahead and give you a couple. Uh, and uh, I, I look, a couple of these I played just on numbers throughout the year, but I played Justin Thomas at 14-1. to 1. I'm worried he's getting a little bit too popular because I've seen him tipped uh, pretty far and wide this week. I do think Bones McKay could play a different or pay a dividend here, though, with uh, with JT. You know, he was Phil Mickelson's old caddy, helps him read the pots, know when to attack, know when to play it safe. So I played him. One guy I got to say, though, that's not being talked about a lot, he's a, a shorter price, but he's not being mentioned a lot, and he's number five in the world. That's Patrick Cantlay, 25 to one, and has never won a major defending FedEx Cup champion. He's won at the Memorial, which is at Mirfield Village. It was kind of like Jack Nicholas's ode to Augusta, if you will. So he's a proven commodity, but he just hasn't gotten it done in the majors yet. But if you look at him in terms of the metrics, number one in total strokes gained over the last 36 rounds, second over the last 50 rounds, overall game is there. He's just got to, you know, kind of figure out the speed and the undulation of these greens, but He's a, he's a really good putter for, I think, an elite-level player. So Cantlay and Thomas would be my shorter guys. A couple long shots I would look at if you like some veterans here that have played well here before. Adam Scott, who was the 2013 champion, putting long the weakness of his game, but now it's the best glove he's got in his bag. And I think he's starting to kind of come around, and I, I like the way he played at Riviera. I like the way he played at the match play advanced to the round of 16 so adam scott uh paul casey now keep in mind paul casey did withdraw from the match play with some back spasms but i think it might have been just like okay discretion is the better part of valor i don't need to uh you know really you know force something on myself and have to play three matches and you know wear myself down so he withdrew so those would be two guys i would be looking at maybe as some veteran long shots uh anywhere 70 80 ish to one Jay Cam Smitty, what else you got for Wes? Smitty, do you have any MLB questions here? Or are we going to find oh, out who's I'm more optimistic? Well, I want to ask them because they make fun of me. I'm a diehard Pirate fan, Wes, and, you know, I know it's going to be a tough season. And I know I think you're a Cincinnati Reds guy. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, is there any – how are you feeling about the Reds? And just remember, they got to go against my Pirates, and they're probably going to lose some games against the Pirates. Just how do you feel the red season? I have them down at 73 and a half wins. Would you play the over or the under with your Cincinnati Reds? Oh gosh. Yeah. The number has been decompressed right now, but 
look, I'm not I'm not looking forward to this red season. I, I wish Bob Castellini, the owner there, would sell the team. It's like they kind of gave it a little bit of a go and then they didn't stick with it. You didn't get the instant gratification. So it's like, okay, now we gotta sell everybody off. And and you saw kind of what they've given the teams the guys away for. Uh, they gave Suarez and Jesse Winker to the Seattle Mariners for basically nothing. So I'm not all that excited. Look, I love baseball guys. And, you know, I didn't want the labor stoppage and all this to go, you know, two or three months down the road. But if it would have started May 1st, it wouldn't have bothered me because we have like so many things as sports fans and sports betters kind of like stacked upon each other. We have the NCAA tournament. We just got done with that. Then we have the Masters. You got the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs starting. So there really wasn't a lot of break. Uh, the Reds, I just think they're, they're just down on bats. This is not an overwhelmingly talented team. The pitching staff is going to be awful. Look, they play in Great American Ballpark, so they'll score runs, I think. So the offense may be at least a little stable without those guys that they gave away. But the pitching is going to be a mess. So I would not be interested in the over at all. Good stuff. Jason, you have anything else, or can we get Wes out of here? We can let them out of here. Uh, oh, I got to ask one more real quick, real quick. Right. Favorite, you know, you're you're a pro wrestling fan. We're, we're pro wrestling fans. I was really in the 80s and 90s, so I just – I wrote this down in the notebook. I have to ask you, all-time favorite wrestler, and maybe why is he your all-time favorite wrestler? Oh, that, that, that's a hard one because, uh, you know, because sometimes, like, wrestlers you like back then you don't like as people now. So Ric Flair would have been, like, one of my guys. But, like, I see him kind of how he acts now as a 73-year-old man. I was like, dude, you're not the nature boy anymore. This is <laughs> not 1985. You're not, you know – you know, pulling out your junk and, and waving it around on an airplane. It's all that dark side of the ring where he did that. And it's like, you know what? You could have like apologized and said, you know what? I was wrong. I was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. But instead he's got to like stay in character. Like Shawn Michaels said in that ESPN documentary, he was like, he doesn't know how to be Richard Flair. He only knows how to be the nature boy. And, you know, and that's real cute and whatnot, but eventually, you know, you got to put the character aside, but Ric Flair was one of my favorite workers. I do think he's the greatest world champion of all time at the NWA champion for all those years. In terms of WWE, I was more of a macho man, Randy Savage guy than I was a Hulk Hogan guy. I just thought yeah. brought the intensity and just his insane promos and just how he acted. Like he looked like he was going to like snap at any second. <laughs> I strung Randy Savage was, and they covered that in the A&E documentary. So Ric Flair and Randy Savage were my guys growing up. Mitty, take note of that. Make sure you drop the uh, Teaser King moniker and go. <laughs> I do. <laughs> hey, I Wes. know how to beat just Todd Smith. <laughs> Wes, thanks for stopping by. We'll get you out of here. We know you're a busy man and you have a master's draft tonight. Everybody listening, check them out co-host of the uh, Green Zone and Long Shots on VSIN Live, and his Twitter handle is Wes Reynolds one on Twitter. Anything else you want to give a shout-out to, Wes? Well, no, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate all the kind words and the support of what we're trying to do. I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing and uh, looking forward to listening going forward. Awesome. We thank you. Good luck tonight on your yeah. drafts. Good luck on your bets. And uh, we'll be tuned in to you. You bet, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Wes. Have a good night. 
All right, boys. Uh, I know you guys still might want to cover some golf and you guys might want to talk baseball, but I'm going to drop. I actually have to get back to work in my real job instead of this fake job and funness. So I'll let you guys piece it out and I'm going to drop as well. Thanks, Matt. You got it, boys. See ya. No, just another great uh, guest, Jason, that we brought on. Um, you know, those guys, you know, I want to give a shout out again because, you know, we myself Q and Matt went out to Vegas and I know I brought this up on, I think the last show, but uh, again, Tim Murray has been just fantastic with us. Uh, Sean Kane, it was great uh, being able, I've been in contact with Wes over the last uh, week and just a great guy and we appreciate the time. So thanks to all the decent people that keep coming on and we are trying to bring on the best guests each week and give you the listeners great information to cash some tickets. Yeah. Beeson's like the soundtrack of my work day. That's like the white noise I use. And uh, Wes is fantastic at doing drop-ins for all of those guys and all the various shows. Like he's, he mentioned he was a utility guy and he, he always kind of brings it. Uh, he had me dying the other night or uh, the other morning on Gil Alexander's show with the uh, Sonic reference as uh, that was part of the Grammys they were talking about. That was a band that I've liked. And uh, he jumped right in with Gil and they were going back and forth on some 90s R&B and things like that. It was actually pretty funny because it was all straight off the cuff and uh, just shows how versatile he is. So, yeah, great yeah. guest. I mean, we're really lucky with uh, these guys. Really knowledgeable, really good people. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, they're top-notch people. I mean, overall, just what they do with the information, the sports info. But, again, just being able to, I guess, you know, have a kind of a friendship and a relationship with them that uh, we can reach out. And, um, you know, Tim, Tim again, has been uh, fantastic to us on the show. So we appreciate everything. You know, his show, just want to give that out to the listeners because Matt asked off air, hey, did you put any bets in yet, Smitty? I haven't yet for the Masters. My one thing is I look, you know, I look at some of the VSIN numbers. I have some other people uh, that are really into golf and have great information. But the the podcast that he does, the long shots with uh, Brady is just fantastic. And it's a it's a must go to me that every week I listen to it. I take down notes. I love their information. I don't do anything without listening to that podcast. And I look at some other numbers and I talk to some other people that, um, that are very knowledgeable in the sports. So it's a, it's a great, I think this is the most Jason that I've gambled in golf and it's been pretty good success so far. Now, last week, let me just break down last week, Jason. So I had uh, Gary uh, Woodland um, top five, which I think he finished uh, in sixth place. So that, that kind of stinks. And I had Jonathan Vegas top 10 and he was finished 11th in 11th place. So that's really heartbreaking when you, the whole week, you're really close. They were in the money and then they just got out and then you get the big goose yeah. egg and it could have been a nice little, um, little paycheck there, uh, you know, coming in there for me, but what can you do? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great sport. If you have not, and you like golf, really look into it. I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic uh, sport to gamble. Absolutely. Um, it's definitely something that I'm looking into gambling more. I've definitely gambled from time to time uh, in the past. Uh, yeah. It was heartbreak hotel on Sunday. Cause I know Maddie also had Vegas and came up short. I had Siwoo Kim and I basically needed one more birdie to get in the, the top 10. I played on him. Uh, Luke List was not as good for me. Uh, I was trying to, you know, listen to Maddie's advice from last week, and he was kind of all over it. So uh, hopefully he's all in tune for the Masters, not for the pool that we just did, but everything else on his gambling bets, I hope they come in. So 
Yeah, I think there's a lot more coverage too. Um, that's what I'm noticing this week because there's a lot more detail, a lot more in-depth stuff on the Masters. It's not just the TV networks and things doing that. There's a lot of uh, good gambling content on the Masters. So I think it's going to be a pretty big bet sport. I think it kind of maybe kind of fell into that during uh, COVID times where people were betting on golf a lot more because it was being played. And I think that people have got that appetite for it now. And uh, I'm sure they're getting bigger handles than they probably ever have. So, yeah, I mean, so Wes had some great stuff about the Masters. I'm looking at who I'm going to play. I haven't made any wagers yet either. I didn't get any futures. I was actually, Cam Smith was a, a big regret. He's a guy who's got a pretty good track record uh, in Augusta. Um, he's got the record there for the four rounds under 60 in the one tournament, even though he didn't win it. Um, and he did go super low this year in Hawaii. He'd set the record at 34 under. Um, and, you know, and his game kind of fits. He's, he's great around the greens. And I think that's really a key aspect to playing at Augusta. I think when you see some of these guys struggle, who are good ball strikers, guys who do do very well, strokes gained, which is a key metric, usually week to week. It's usually the greens that get them because there's these are not putts that you can be afraid on. Like, you know, you're not going to get any gimmies or like there's nothing where you can kind of miss hit something and you're going to get it paid off. It, it, I think that's probably where the most pressure on this course is, is that they know how slick the putts are. And if you do miss on the wrong side or you do hit it with a little too much pace, you're really going to set yourself for a really hard comeback. So um yeah looking at who i like i like horses for courses i like guys who have kind of shown uh, an ability to play well at augusta i think it's a very unique course i don't I think it's always distance i think you kind of need to play the ball in the right spot i think the shambo kind of learned that uh with some of his hubris that you can't overpower it because they they have it set up people have been trying to overpower it for 30 years now and they have, they get they have tricks for you you're going to play some lies that you won't play in most stops. Uh, Wes mentioned, you know, lies courses are flat that they play. We, we, this course is far from flat. You know, we're from Western and Central PA. We're used to playing golf with the ball above your feet, below your feet on a side hill lie. Um, a lot of places in the country, they're not as used to that. So, you know, I think that's definitely a factor here. And I think that's why Bryson doesn't do well. Um, so guys I'm looking at, I thought that the Cantlay mention was great. Um, you know, he's two for four in top 25 or Top 25s. We also got two cuts, so it'll be interesting to see which one you get. Um, John Rom, he, he's got everything going in, but some reason he just doesn't put it all together here. So I don't know what to make of him. He's a little priced a little short for me to take a, uh, a whack at. Kepka's played really well here. Um, you know, he was obviously injured, like I said last year. Got cut, got a cut there, but you kind of give him credit for actually playing through it. Um, I look at a guy like Tony Fee now, who's not playing all that great right now, but he has a great record here for some reason. And um, he's got a decent price right now. And I really don't have a sleeper at this point. And that's something I'm looking for. Who are you looking at right now if you uh, had a wager up? Well, you know, I do like the Patrick Cantley um, angle here. I looked at some stats last night and I really liked him. I marked him down. And then, you know, Wes brought it up and we were talking off air a little bit about him. You know, in our draft, I did get uh, Justin Thomas. I do like him. Uh, I got to look at the numbers. I haven't really dove into it. You know, um, I know one name that Wes has brought up uh, on other sh uh, other shows of his uh, long shots have been uh, Thomas Peters. I got him in my fourth overall pick in our bigger draft. Um, you know, I don't know. Again, maybe like a top 10, 50, like 20 or something like that. I got to dive into the numbers a little bit, Jason. You know, I think one... I really, you know, Dustin Johnson, um, I think can play well here. Um, 
I kind of like, you know, Matt took uh, Brooks. I think he might play well this week here. I like Corey Connors. I was really upset. I missed Corey Connors on our draft by one uh, pick. I think it was in the, the snake down in the second round. I wanted him and somebody snagged them. I think Corey Connors will play well. I played Corey Connors last week to win the Texas Open uh, and didn't play horrible by any means didn't play great but I mean I think he shot maybe like a minus three for the tournament so just some names I mean I'll tweet it out I'm probably going to do like Wednesday like I always do I know Jason um, will get some out Matt will definitely be putting out some plays so I mean let's let's get after it and let's uh let's cash some uh tickets on this the Masters this week Jason let's train let's uh change up here let's do a little recap last night fantastic national championship game uh again i loved it because i went five and oh and it man you go five and oh you just you just had a little swagger walking up the stairs trying to go to bed last night felt kind of good <laughs> like i said the villanova game on saturday i got wiped out so i'm not trying to sit here and brag and say i i'm the greatest gambler because that's very incorrect there um the villanova uh kansas game got to me but then i came back really well saturday night like i said three and oh and then i hit five and oh I played last night. I mean, don't have to hit on everything I played, but I just stuck with that trend, Jason, the first half under. I really thought both of these teams, like Kansas to me, Saturday night against Villanova just shot unbelievable. And I just thought in a way this was not going to happen again. I thought maybe the nerves playing in the national championship game. I mean, both teams want to get up and down here, but I just thought a little bit with the shooting was going to be down. So I took a chance with the 71 and a half. I also hit the 78 under team points, Kansas. So I was sweating Jason there at the end that uh, when that guy stepped out of bounds and they had a shot to hit a three to tie it. And I was, I, you know, so I'm laying on the couch, not trying to scream and wake everybody up in the house, but I was like, foul, get the ball, grab somebody, make them shoot a free throw. And everybody was saying this on Twitter. Greg Peterson was really after it too, saying this and other people were arguing saying, you don't foul man, I wanted a foul because if that would have went in, I could have lost a couple bets. But luckily I hit a teaser Kansas plus one with the under. And then I played two player props. I went Remy Martin uh, over 11 and a half. And I was really shocked. He was playing well early in the tournament. And then the last game, he only had three points and really was not playing a lot of minutes. I'm sitting there in the second half going, where's Remy Martin, man? He's not even playing. Luckily he got in and he hit some threes and then he stayed with him because Remy's defense is not the greatest, but I thought overall his defense, I thought he played really good defense and was kind of very active on the defense end last night. So I hit that and then um, I played Baycott over our, excuse me, under 15 and a half. He was at 15. And then, you know, again, just another really tough break for him that uh, he rolled the ankle again and then got taken out. So I did, I guess luck out that one and he did not get like a, a late bucket in there. So great night overall. I thought it was a great game. What's your overall thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, just on the weekend, um, you know, I felt good about Kansas because I didn't think Villanova had enough scoring in that game. Um, I didn't know if Kansas could actually get the pace going. Like everybody was saying they were going to, it's really hard to get a slow team to move fast. Um, but when they came out hitting threes, I felt really good about laying a four and a half in that one. I thought that was going to be in good shape. I know Nova got it down to six, but it seemed like every time Nova made a run, Kansas hit a three, and they really hadn't done that all tournament. So they were having their game. So it was pretty good to be on the right side there. I was actually on Duke in the late the nightcap, and I thought I was in good shape early. And Carolina just kind of, you know, kind of 
she wouldn't go away. And it, it's really a benefit to that team that they had, you know, basically five scorers out there. I know Leaky Black doesn't score a lot of points, but he was actually, I think, their top scorer last year. So he's not a guy exactly who's a liability offensively. And I really think that helped them in the tournament because there's just no one to cheat off of, right? You have to play everybody straight up. So, you know, they ran through some of these teams that really, you know, even like, you know, St. Peter's is probably the best defensive team they faced and that, you know, they were clearly overmatched. Uh, so it, Duke just kind of couldn't get over the hump in that game. You know, you tell they're talented. If they play the rematch next year, Duke will probably trounce them because, you know, all those guys will be better, but they'll all be gone to the NBA. So it's not really an issue. But you can really see them be freshmen, I thought, in that game, uh, especially when the big moments came late. But I was able to get out of that bet late. I got somehow got Carolina plus 123 on the money line really late in that game. And that, that kind of bailed me out. So that was nice. And last night I had Kansas laying at four and a half. I really thought um, the depth would be a factor. I didn't think Baycott was going to be much of a factor with the, the ankle because he saw, you know, two days on that after getting rolled up on Saturday. Really thought that, that would be something that would bother him. He looked great uh, until late. It seemed like he got a little tired. And then something happened with the floor. I've seen pictures now where either a floorboard game and somebody's trying to say that's part of the floor being bouncy. I don't buy that at all. Those, those boards are supposed to stay together. So um, that's really unfortunate. If that's really why he turned that ankle late, but he was a warrior. I mean, he was, he was a force in the first half of that game. I mean, he's a good shot blocker, but he looked like, you know, Kim Olajuwon or Rudy Gobert. I mean, Kansas could not make anything at the rim and they were really rushing shots when they got there. Um, you know, Wilson had a couple that, you know, what my fifth graders do where they do the layup and it, it goes a little over the rim, doesn't even touch any orange at all uh, off the backboard. So, yeah, they were a little shook. And I, I was really surprised how well they came out in the second half and really started playing uh, what I kind of expected from the first half. And that set up perfectly for your Remy Martin uh, prop because at that point you need offense. So you don't care about if you can't guard anybody anymore because you just need him to kind of get that offense going. And uh, he clearly provided a spark. No, I agree with you. Cause like I said, when I was sitting there and I was like looking at the clock and I was like, man, I can't believe this guy has not, he has not played. And I'm like, you got to score, but that's the thing with Kansas. I mean, that was like the situation with the Miami game did not play well, came out the halftime and it played extremely well. They like to push. I think Brown was man. Brown's a really good uh, drive driver with the basketball. He gets a lot mm-hmm. into the, to the bucket and uh, really gets out there. You know, I thought McCormick kind of got robbed. I think he should have been the MVP. Uh, I thought he played extremely well in the final four, uh, the two games. But, yeah, you know, great game. Just sweating it. Like, I, I just couldn't believe, you know, Matt was going with Bill Self a little bit with some of his coaching. And I was like, why do you draw that up? You know, who do you blame, the player for stepping on the line, or do you blame the coach there for – drawing up a play that was so close to maybe that stepping out. So I just couldn't believe he stepped out. I was like, Oh my goodness. If this hits, he hits a three pointer, I'm like, this. <laughs> but no, it was, you know, great, great tournament. I mean, it was a lot of fun. First time going out to Vegas for uh, the opening um, weekend. That was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, I can't wait to maybe try to do that again and just get ready for the season again. A lot of change is already happening with the transfer, uh, some coaches uh, changes and everything with um, Butler just hired uh, Thad Mata back and um, good to see him back in the coaching uh, ranks there, Jason. 
Well, it's funny because there was a lot of uh, reaction when they got rid of the uh, the outcoach. They fired the other coach, basically, right? And uh, I people thought it was about money because of when they did it. And I'm guessing, really, it was just about whether they got the okay from Otto that he was going to come back. Um, if you watch Butler the last two years, their coach did a good job. But, you know, that that level of program in the Big East, they can't have a good job. Like, they need a coach who actually does a great job, um, at least to, to get them back up to where they were. And then, you know, maybe you can get a more of a maintenance guy after that. But Mott is the kind of guy who can probably get that program to a level that they can compete in the Big East. I mean, obviously, that's the biggest program at that school. Um, you know, they made their name in the early 2000s, and they kind of, you know, got to a couple finals. You know, they were Gonzaga before Gonzaga, really. Um, um, and probably were more competitive in those final four games than Gonzaga has been. But, um, you know, that, that's an, it's Indiana. It's, a, you know, it's in Indianapolis. It's a very important program there. So Mott is a, a guy who's won there before. Obviously, if his health holds up, I think they'll be pretty good. And the Big East is getting tough. There's a lot of good coaches that are uh, sneaking in there. Um, well, so Sean Miller? Well, Sean Miller coming back to I am I'm just gonna say is I am shocked that he's allowed to coach at this point. Like I don't understand how he does not have a show cause penalty with all the stuff that went on in Arizona. Um, he seems like he's getting away from it, and it's pretty surprising. Like you talked about Kelvin Sampson got a show cause for text messages, and you know, they've got Sean Miller with far more incriminating evidence than that. And you know, he's coaching at Xavier. As it it's funny, everybody's going back to their roots, I guess, to kind of get themselves back to uh going again, but He'll do pretty well there. He's always won wherever he's been. You know, he may have underachieved in the tournament a little bit when he's had better teams, but uh, you got to think that had to break the heart of the uh, our our beloved Pitt Panthers, who we love to talk about on this show because, you know, the situation there, their hoops is not going very well. They owe Jeff Cable too much money to really move on from him um, without him kind of agreeing to move on. Um, you know, they wanted to bring Sean Miller there to get that big hire to kind of get that program back up and running again. Uh, because they've, they've had a lot of success in the other programs. Like I, I begrudgingly admit that their uh, AD's done a good job of kind of getting all their non-revenue sports up to the task. And even football's done really well. They've obviously extended Narduzzi, but basketball, you know, was, was kind of the keystone sport for them for a long time, and it's just not doing well at all. <laughs> yeah, we love that football team. That big team win total last year was fantastic no, for us. So. We don't love them, but we appreciate it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. I love that football team. It hurts. It hurts years. So we're going to end up here, but let's just another big sport starts Thursday. Uh, Just want to bounce a couple ideas off Jason here. Major League Baseball is back Thursday. Jason, anything now you know, the boys are going to make fun of me all summer. And I love it because they made fun of me all last summer and I cashed the ticket. And that's what (laughs) Brett Musburger says. It's what it's all about. Taking the Pirates. I'm going to lock that in tonight. Right after the show, I'm locking it in over 64 and a half. The Pittsburgh Pirates are going to win over 64 and a half. You heard it first. Take it. It's easy money. Pirates, Pirates, Pirates. Let's win some games this year. Jason, anybody else? I'm jotted down. Now, I know Maddie. Maddie had to get off. Maddie's taking a couple more than us, and I think we kind of know some of his. But Jason, just a couple. I wrote down really quick. I'd love to get your opinion out. I brought up to the about the Reds to West, we got Wes Reynolds' take on the Cincinnati Reds. Jason, one team, a lot of people I think like the over on this, but man, it's just such a tough division with the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, Tampa, Toronto Blue Jays, and my my one book, 92 and a half wins. Where would you go with that? 
it's I think it's actually a pretty good bet. I know it's gonna be hard, but we've seen teams go over in that division. Like the Rays have made some overs uh in that division, and you know, they're pretty much the same thing, right? You, those are the two, well, I guess there's three teams really because of Baltimore. Um that you look at and you think, well, the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to win all these games, so there's no way these teams can win 90 as well. Well, Baltimore's going to be pretty bad again. Like, they're, you know, that's that's a team still struggling to kind of to get things righted. Um, it, you know, Yankees fans, if you hear Yankees fans talk, they don't think much is going on with them. You know, they're still spending 200-something million, uh, and they're not real happy with the team. Uh, Toronto lost a lot, but they replaced a lot. Um, you know, they still – they can hit home runs. They play in a park that at times can be a really good – home run field. Um, you look at the lineup, you know, you got Matt Chapman, Springer, Vlad Guerrero, Bobchet. I mean, it's, it's you know, they're talented guys there. Um, and then they made a nice little trade where they got Romil Tapia to kind of be the backup outfielder to add a, like a speed element and actually a defense element because they basically were all softball uh, kind of outfield that they had one before. I mean, the rotation for Rios, Galsman, Ryu, Manoa, and Kikuchi, like that's a pretty good when you have you say Kikuchi as your fifth starter, just as the lefty kind of thrown out there. Like, you know, those are those are good guys. They're all good K guys. Um, I just it's really the bullpen. You know, you got Jordan Romero is gonna be the closer. You know, you can think what I think he had a pretty good year, but I can understand also why people would be a little nervous because he wasn't exactly the guy. He kind of got handed the role because by default. Um, but Blue Jays can be really interesting. Um, they're probably getting priced down a little bit right now because I think they're kind of the cool pick out of the East. So um, I, that would be probably my only hesitation there. And then I don't know what the COVID rules are going to do with their season. They might get a little bit of a home field advantage because I think there's going to be a potential issue like you're seeing with the NBA right now where you're going to have players who aren't allowed to play in Canada because they're not vaccinated. Um, I think there's been talk already with the Raptor series about guys on the Celtics and Sixers who are not going to be eligible to play. Um, I know there's some Yankees, prominent Yankees, who aren't going to be able to play. I heard, in Toronto. yeah, I heard some Boston Red Sox too. So yeah, so you know that's a that's a pretty good home field advantage that you, we've never had a factor in before. So uh, Blue Jays are going to be interesting. Um, like I said, like those pitching, it's they're all good guys, but they're also guys who have kind of had their issues. Like if you've ever had Jose Barrios on a fantasy baseball team, you know how frustrating he can be. Um, uh, all those guys have kind of got a little bit of a checker pass that way. Um, I know Matt likes the Mariners, and that's another team kind of overperformed last year. They've actually added some guys. Uh, they've added Wes's uh, Eugenio Suarez at third base. He's a quality bat that they probably didn't have last year. Adam Frazier is going to be their leadoff guy. Former Bucko breaks my heart that he's in Seattle now. Um, good lineup. Um, got added Robbie Ray top of the pitching lineup. Got some good guys. The back rotation is a little unproven, but still not bad. And, uh, yeah, I mean – it's kind of funny. Obviously, I know you have told us the Pirates are going to go over 64 and a half. And, you know, not to doubt you. Lock it. Well, but it, it may not be the worst idea if you are a Pittsburgh Pirates fan to go find yourself a team to go <laughs> and be able to have some joy with at some oh, point. Maybe I have a joy watching them every week. True the Mariners might be the Mariners might be that team that you can, you know, it's kind of West Coast, especially if you've got young kids, get them to bed. You can actually flip on the Mariners, watch them on MLB Network or so forth. But uh, that should be a fun team. Um, you know, the West is a little changed. Texas not quite back up yet. Oakland tearing it down a little bit. Um, you know, you still have got Houston to deal with, but you know, it, it, and you have the Angels, who are always the Angels. You never know really what to make of them. Um, so yeah, that's a that tough. That's a tough team. team. I heard a couple of people saying take the over with them, but man, that's hard. It's just so hard to take the. It over. is hard because 
it seems like someone someone very important will get hurt very early for the Angels. That's almost like they're almost like kind of like the Mets of the AL, where it doesn't matter what they do. It's almost like something is acting on that team and will ruin it. And their best laid plans would be laid to waste. And the Mets are a great example of a team. Like, I don't know what to make of them right now. Yeah, and I was going to try and lock that in, Jason, and then it went off the board because, again, you know, DeGrom shut down now for like four to six weeks. Max Scherzer then, you know, they play, they open, um, they're here in D.C., you know, so that was going to be a great story. Max Scherzer going to open uh, be the opening day starter for the Mets back in his uh, home stadium. And now he has some issues. So the Mets just, yeah, they're just a team that it just seems like they always have the injury bug around that squad. Yeah. I mean, you like, I like the moves they made. You really can't blame them. You almost need to see if they're going to make one more or a couple more. They've got some guys on their bench who could be starters elsewhere with uh, Dominic Smith and JD Davis. You just got to wonder. I know the Padres have been knocking on doors trying to get an outfielder that can hit. I mean, it seems. Like I said, they're like the fantasy team in your league that offers the same three guys to every team to see if they can get somebody to fix something. Well, that's what they're kind of doing with like Chris Paddock and a couple other prospects. And I, I know they've talked to the Mets. I know they've talked to the Pirates. Um, so you wonder if the Mets will make the move because they almost need to because uh, the pitching is probably not going to be where they want it to be until later in the year. It's going to be tough. I'm excited. Like I said, I'm going to try to do at least another two to three teams maybe just because it's kind of fun. You know, the Pirates are always one that I'm going to lock in on, but I'm going to try to look over and I'll tweet that out too. Um, see how we do there. I think the only one I played last year was the Pirates. Just kind of just I knew the boys would get on me, make fun, but it was a fun little sweat throughout the entire summer there. So, um, yeah, I mean, if anything, you get this um, tweet us, man. We'd love to hear if you have a win total in Major League Baseball that you really like. Um, get it to us. Um Show should be out hopefully tomorrow. So we have a good day to try to get it in and lock it in. So that would be a lot of fun. Jason, you got anything else, man? No, I just found out that Chad Cole is a Rocky. Did you know that? I did not know that. There you go. Yeah, it's uh these Buccos appear up everywhere. It's a we've got guys on every team now. In fact, there was a, I forget which show I was listening to today, and the first four guys they talked about were all former pirates, and it literally just broke my heart. So I, I, I did see uh, Austin Meadows get traded last night. Yes. I can't wait till that stirs up all the talk of the archer trade again in the city. Cause we haven't talked about that topic enough. Oh my uh, goodness. Over the last three yeah. years. Oh yeah. But, uh, no, I'm going to get to do my homework on the masters. I'll tweet those out. The picks that I like, I'm going to look for the guys a little further down the board. I do like yeah, my drafting. Thing. I'll tweet that out as well. And, same thing uh, with that too, man. Please our audience. Uh, if you have a favorite guy or two. Tweet us. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to. And again, anytime, any questions about the show or anything you want us to cover, please, on social media, get in, in touch with us because we'd love to bring it on. We're going to keep working really hard to try to bring on great guests. And uh, um, and if anytime you have any questions, let us know. But uh, Jason, best of luck to you. Hopefully, my golf team is better this weekend than yours. I'd love to get a great. I'll let you have first if I get second. How about that? Hey, that's all right. I'll, 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 we can work out a deal with that. Let's just beat Matt. <laughs> Let's just beat Matt. We're ahead of Matt. That's Matt. All what it's really about. So we can rub hey. it in his face on some next couple shows and stuff, and get off to a good uh, start with that. So there's three more majors. It's always a long haul. You never know what you're going to get in the British. It's always fun to. I'll tell you what. The doing a majors draft is a fun thing. If you if you're listening. That get a couple of friends, pick some guys, uh, do every event. It's actually a pretty fun 
way to look at either of these tournaments and it'll, it'll give you a rooting interest uh in some of these events especially the bigger field events like u.s open and the uh the british open where uh you find some guys that you never even heard of before that you realize oh i kind of like that guy now that i read about him so it's very true well that's all we have this week check it out show should drop tomorrow best of luck this weekend enjoy major league baseball the masters get ready for the nba playoffs nhl is coming around the corner too so it's a great time to be a sports fan and if q was here he would say bang your bookie thanks for listening to the notebook wagering podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at notebook wagering until next time